Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Behind the Scenes with your girl, Nina Payne. Thank you so much for being here and joining us today. Like I've said before, this show is about all things events. We talk about what happens before the event, after the event, during the event. We talk to some amazing professionals who manage a thousand details a day to make sure these events happen. And then we also discuss how to manage the business of events. What, what happens when you fail? What happens when you succeed? All the things. We talk about all that here. So look, our special guest today is a veteran in the game. She's a mentor to many. If you have been downtown to Campus Marshes, downtown Detroit and Beacon Square, Beacon Park, the African World Festival, or just downtown period at any, any length of time, you have experienced some of our next guest production and programming genius. I was truly honored to sit down with her and chat with her. She shares so much knowledge and wisdom in the areas of event production, staffing, navigating the event business, do's and don'ts. Um, you're going to really want to take notes on this one. Please meet the one and only Njia Kai of NKSK Events. Welcome to the show. Peace. Thank you, darling. Hey, Njia. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's good to see you and speak with you today. It's always good to see you. So we're just going to let our hair down a little bit. You can just kind of be a little funky, be your normal Njia amazing self. Uh, no pretentiousness here. We're just going to, you know, take the mask off and talk about some things, all things behind the scenes. Cool? That's cool, but you introduced me so professionally. I was trying to give that flavor. <laughs> well, I can say that, that, that I, was, I was trying to think about, and do you know the number of events that you've done? No one in the world, girl. One of the things that has gotten me through the amount of uh, work that I do and have done over the years is that I really don't count. So, sometimes when something's over, when the season's over, mm-hmm. and somebody will be talking to me about all this stuff, and I just look back, or I'm putting the notes away, and I'm like, good gravy. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there, we do a lot, and I'm grateful. We, it's we a, really it's I mean, it's definitely them. thousands and thousands of events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, it, it's amazing. I and the variety of things is really what's kept me in it. Is because yeah. I really do appreciate being able to switch and use the left and the right and, you know, really. Uh, right. No, no day is the same. And every day is interesting. Like we talked about in our uh, pre-conversation, <laughs> everything Absolutely. is interesting. Every day is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in this uh, podcast, I mean, we just want to get right into it. There's so many things that have to happen before the doors open. So many things that have to happen before the curtain rises, right? For that person, that attendee, that guest, that ticket holder to sit in that seat and be amazed by the thing that happens. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about that. But what do you really enjoy about the event space? Like, why do you do what you do? Well, you know, it, it took me a while. At uh, one point, uh, somebody suggested, because I was in college and I had planned to, I was in pre-law, I was in the honors program at the college, and I was heading towards being an attorney because I thought I was really gonna save the world. And mm-hmm. when I got disillusioned with uh, some of the reality of the law and and uh, what's called justice in America, mm-hmm. I was, I took off and was just, you know, as they say, finding myself. 
And someone suggested that if you want to know what it is that is your purpose here and to really figure out what you love to do, then think about what it is that you do naturally. Mm. Like what have you just always done and done well? And then secondly, to say to yourself, what is it that I would do if it didn't involve pay, if nobody was looking, what is it that I love? And mm -hmm. out of all that, I really came to recognize I love production. I love productions of any kind and almost every kind. Mm -hmm. I, I really love going from an idea to the fruition. Mm -hmm. And I love that moment, as we talked about before, you know, I, I love that moment when you step out there and everything has come together and the audience is really into it and, you know, they're quiet or they're laughing or they're dancing or they're moving throughout the various uh, setups. Absolutely. You know, it's such a great feeling. And um, I, I, I really enjoyed, I enjoy production just in general. I tell you one thing I found for real is that I enjoy the fact that you get to use so many different of your talents and interests and you get to learn. You can't, I'm constantly in learning phase. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that really turns me on. I like you mentioned something and we, and we talked about it yesterday that I want to bring up um, um, here on the show today. And that is, you know, I think every event manager, event director, curator, producer, call it what you want, planner, um, we chase that moment, that moment where, you know, the event has started and we've done the long hours and the sleepless nights and managing the ever-changing thing that has to be managed. And we're at the moment where the event started and we, you know, if you're, if you're doing a, um, a concert and you look out at the audience or if you're doing a network event, you're looking around the room, you're trying to get the vibe and you get that moment where people are laughing or they are smiling, or the kids are using the kids zone that you spend so much time curating, and you get that, like, I call it euphoric joy. It's just like an, an internal joy that you did all of this stuff <laughs> that came together for this person to be impacted positively. That is a moment that you cannot find, you know, in, in anywhere else. It's just that that moment, right? satisfaction, fulfillment, mm -hmm. you know, that's, if you're not into it because you love it, then a lot of the stress and the worry and the weight of the responsibilities and the fact that you don't have a nine to five, you have a any and all time. Mm -hmm. uh, seven, baby. Yeah. If you're not into it and it doesn't really excite you to, to uh, find that fulfillment and satisfaction in the completion, in the, in the uh, outcoming mm -hmm. of all of what you've put in, then you probably won't keep at it. I yeah. always say that some people are production minded folks and some people just aren't. Yeah. I interviewed one young lady and I went down, I left the office to go get some papers and came back and she was gone. And I said to the assistant, I'm thinking she went to the <laughs> restroom. I said, what, where'd she go? She said, she left mom and Gia. She said, I didn't come here to work that hard. <laughs> Because, baby, we works. We got to do works. it. And I wasn't going to lie to her. I tried to tell her exactly what it was going to be like. Because yeah. either you're in it and that turns you on like, oh, yeah, we're going to be busy. We're going to really be doing something. Mm -hmm. Or you're like, ooh, no. And I'm glad she <laughs> left because it would have been my job to let her go later. <laughs> you know, I think people weed themselves out. It's like even at, at you know, my, my business 
Foundation Management, we have a team and a culture and a thing, and it's about getting that thing done. We're doers. You know, we get excited about the end result. You know, we high five in. We, you know, it's a whole thing. And if, if you're not that in that thing, a production minded person, a project minded person, a planning person, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And so, like, it becomes a where you're not really included in that. Like, you don't get the same joy and the feeling of completion. And you don't understand that we just built this major project and people are actually having a good time. And so it tends to, you know, weed out those who can't, you know, can't cut it. You yeah. can't cut it. It's okay, though. You know, we release them for their own blessing in another place. Right. That's, oh my gosh, that was a good lesson that I learned in a seminar. I used to go to this series of seminars, and uh, one of the things he said is you you release people for their higher good, and mm -hmm. holding them there when you're not satisfied, when they're not satisfied, when the tension and the vibe is not positive, it's not doing them any good, and it certainly isn't doing you any good. Absolutely, so right. We're keeping that. them from whatever it is they're supposed to be doing. Exactly, and that's not my intention. So let's talk about the the um how you start. So I know in your line of work, you 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 get gigs in a variety of different ways. And so let's talk about once you acquire the gig. We'll get into, you know, I'll do some sections on like how to, you know, market and how to get the actual contract or RFPs and that sort of thing. But say you've landed the gig, right? What is the first thing you do? Well, one of the first things I like to do in the interview and in making the agreement is to ask the question, what is going to happen or what should happen that will let you know this has been successful? Mm. Because oftentimes people don't necessarily know exactly what they want or they don't know how to articulate the, mm. the plan that even a vision they may have had but they generally know how they want folks to feel or what they want to see as their outcome. And that is really helpful to me in order so that I'm fulfilling their deal because having done this for a while, most times the, uh, the uh, projects that we take on are because someone referred us. Mm -hmm. And so people come with a, Oh, and Gia, whatever you, whatever you do is fine. <laughs> You just do it. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I know it'll be fine to me, but it may not <laughs> be fine to you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, let me know what it is that will really, you know, float your boat because that's what I'm here to do. I'm so here. To you're starting at the end. What's your outcome? What are you I looking for at the end of the day? First, so that I can build towards that, mm. you know, and then all the other questions. I, I teach a, a special events training every summer to young people. Um, and I always tell them to start with the fact that you got to know where you're going. You mm -hmm. ask, what are all of the givens? Because sometimes the, per the person or the organization already has their venue. Uh, they already have mm -hmm. the people, the band that they want to play, whatever. What are the givens that you already know that you want to include or that are part of the presentation that you uh, plan are planning? And then we start filling in the rest. So we know where we want to end up. We mm. know what it is that you have already, you know, the givens. Right. So then like a geometry uh, formula, no, you know, we take what's given mm -hmm. and then we fill in those blanks with all of those things that we have in our outline of how to produce an event. So, you know, the time and who's the demographic that we're targeting and blah, blah, boom, boom, boom. And we move through that process to create that outline 
so we can mm -hmm. establish a budget so that we can then begin to infill. I know, and it, it probably sounds easy, right? For somebody listening and they're, they're new and they're like, ah, she, that just flowed off her tongue. She, you know, you know, you, we've been doing it. We've done it a couple of times. So you kind of, kind of, you know, flex that muscle a little bit. It becomes automatic on those processes to get to the end goal. Do you have some sort of software that you use to manage your events? Do you kind of, you know, use Excel? Do you use paper? Like what is your, your go-to for keeping all of these details yeah. managed? It's real funny now because, of course, I'm surrounded by uh, the digital world and the millennials who have been brought up in that and really operate within that tech. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when necessary, either I or someone I hire can create those kind of uh, PowerPoints and graphs and graphic things that, uh, you know, folks like to see in presentations. Mm -hmm. I'm real simple, personally speaking. Um, I don't, I, there's software that I use because it's part of the event or if there's a, such a large event. Like if we have a mm -hmm. five day event that has multiple stages and multiple performance areas, then yes, we'll employ some type of uh, scheduling software. Mm. But I don't on the regular. Most of what I'm doing is things are just turning over, such as like with the events at, at the downtown parks. Mm -hmm. We used to have, it's lessened some since pandemic, but it keeps growing now that we're out of that, so to speak. Uh, we used to do 2,000 events every year. Not our, yeah, not our company responsible for all of them. Mm. But within the program design um, for the four seasons at the parks downtown, there were about 2,000 events. We would often be engaged in at least half of those, literally. So some of them, we were fully engaged. We were totally developing the plan, infilling the plan, managing the plan on site. Uh, others, we were just simply providing some programming uh, infill or, you know, they need a DJ. We would Right, some support in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it just depends. So for me, it, it's like um, I tell people I don't want to spend a whole lot of time uh, devising these magnificent charts and everything that next week we got to devise a whole, <laughs> no. no, let's create ever some, changing. Yeah. Let's create some outlines. Mm -hmm. And after doing this, like you said, I've done this for a lot of years. And so I have a lot of templates that mm -hmm. I'm able to pull up and adjust to the ever changing scene scenery, you know, and I will just say to folks, you, um, you should do what works for your style of organizing mm -hmm. uh, materials and information or what is required from the client or the situation. Right. And I, and I think it's, it's not, it, it's not generally the same thing. So oftentimes I know when, you know, we get a gig, the client may already have as mm -hmm. your givens, they may already have some sort of, you know, project management system that they want us to use. They may have, you know, done their events in Excel and they want us to use that or they may, and I have, I'm tend to, to go along with that. I do have, I know some planners that require the client to walk through their monday.com or their Asana and stuff like that. And, I'm, and we just don't do that. Every client is a little bit different and their systems are different and they move the way they move because that's the way they move. And so it's easy for me to conform to that than for me to try to get them to kind of conform to what I do, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm supporting what they do. They're not supporting what I do. So it didn't never made sense for me to like force you to use my project management tool the way that I 
you know, and everybody's different. And I think you're right. Like fat, figuring out what you need to do for you that works for you and your clientele. Right. And you'll, 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 when you run into a wall, cause you might, um, you will adjust. And so like, you know, there, there, there's, that's why there's a million different event management programs out on the scene right now. Cause everybody needs something a little bit different. And so finding what works for you is, is a good, is a good um, lesson. Yeah. When I was investigating, you know, some years back it, when I first started with that, there really weren't a lot of uh, event management systems. Mm-hmm. I would, I would look up uh, project management and it really was like uh corporate or construction or that kind of deal. And it took a lot of adjustments. So I just Mm -hmm. dropped that. Since then, you know, now there's a lot of them, Asana, Bootcamp, this, that. Mm -hmm. I've had uh, salespeople call me with $5,000 investment that every year needs another $2,000. And we had a $12,000 system and I had to have quarterly uh, upgrades or you know, it was a lot. And I, it just doesn't make sense to me when, to be honest with it, you know, uh, an Excel chart will get you through some major events. Mm -hmm. The thing that happens though, is that as everything gets digitized and there uh, is the need to communicate with a lot of people, especially now that people don't hold as many in-person meetings and people can be involved who are not even uh, in your area, let alone in your country. Absolutely. And a lot of those systems come into play so that you uh, can get the information shared where it needs to be shared. Mm -hmm. In that training that I do in the summers, what I tell these young people is that the number one priority in production is communication. Mm. And communication does not mean that I told you something. Mm. Communication means that you have received some information, data, message, and have responded to it in a way that shows you have received it with the correct understanding. Mm, say that for the people in the back. Say it Say it again. Girl, I don't know how many times <laughs> a person will, I'll tell them, make sure you call Nina and that she has agreed to have her three people on site at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be, you know, 10 o'clock that night. It'll come back to me as one of the things that's loose out there. And I'll call that young person or talk to them and say, hey, did you reach Nina? And they say, oh, she didn't answer. And I left her a message. Did she respond? No. So then you don't know if you've communicated with her or not. If she Uh. doesn't respond, you can't tell that this thing went through. And it's Mm. not her responsibility. It's yours. So you've got to call her back. You've got to text her. You've got to make that second effort or else the communication cannot be verified. This is good. Yep. A, a team. Are y'all listening to this, these gems? <laughs> she taking notes. She taking notes. It's so important. I think one thing I learned from my brother who I admire tremendously is that we talk about communication often and it's like the responsibility of the communication is on the communicator. Mm-hmm. I need to, to make sure I speak whatever language you, you speak in order for you to connect. And I got to, I got it. It's my responsibility to make sure that happens, that the connection happens. And there's, there's the, and so you just like spoke to all kinds of things in my spirit about that whole thing and, and getting that confirmation. Not only did I leave a message, but I actually, they responded or I talked to them or I made the effort. They absolutely know that this is going to happen at this time, this day, man, you, you save your, your life so much grief. If you just make that connection. And this, is, the connection. this is what really comes into evaluation. 
So let's say it's your first time working on our team or being a part of the uh, team that we're working with. Mm -hmm. Then the, uh, you know, my evaluation of whether or not to invite you back or whether or not to uh, promote the level of responsibility uh, that you handled this time has to do with how complete you are in the follow through that is required for an event. And also the personal integrity that you have shown Mm -hmm. in regards to the event, because how often do people say, Hey, it wasn't my responsibility. It wasn't this. It wasn't, you know, and it's like, whatever you literally saw somebody about to walk and trip on that cable and you didn't say, watch the cable. Well, I'm not responsible for cables. No, you're not. As a matter of fact, have you been paid? <laughs> you, probably, you probably can just go ahead and uh, we'll see you at another gig on somebody else's team. I absolutely love that. You're absolutely yeah. right. I talk about it, you know, always being ready and head on a swivel. You know, you help wherever you can help. You fill in the voids. All of those things have to be true. And you got to balance that. You got to stay in your position. Mm-hmm. Because you can't be the lighting guy if you're the audio guy. Right. And there's those However, people. Too. You don't stand there and watch the audio guy. I mean, the lighting guy fail because you're not the audio guy. Yeah. I mean, because you're not him, whatever it is. You you really have to balance being in your place, but also being part of the team because mm-hmm. all of us have to succeed for it to be a success. That's mm. good stuff. And it's interesting, Angie, because I run into people that don't think like that. You know what I mean? In the event business. I'm like, how you gonna how you gonna how you gonna run an event and you don't have the concept of team that it's all of our responsibility? Or they feel like because they own the company or their lead or whatever, they don't have to do these things. And it's just it just blows my mind that we're not all going to or you're just going to walk over that or you're not going to say anything or you're going to like, I don't understand the concept of it. And so it's always interesting to meet people who have this kind of individualistic mindset when it comes to a project that we're all working on. Like I, like it, it, it blows my mind. It's a point. Those, those people make me humble mm. because I have to swallow my pride or my ego and just fill in because I see them not filling in Mm. because I'm committed to making things happen successfully. And very often those, you know, the son of the boss, I I can't even tell him with a strong voice, uh, you know, what to do. So I end up just going to do it and make it happen so that we can get through this well. But again, at the end, all of that is part of my personal evaluation of whether or not I want to work with this group again. Yeah, exactly. Because people whose attitudes and behaviors uh, are difficult to work with. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Are difficult. (laughs) I was going to say that I'm done, but you know, I'm in situations where those things remain true. And it's it's the, you know, the, because I'm committed or engaged or really uh, purposeful about uh, making sure something happens well, then sometimes I just have to overlook whatever, but also in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. What do you know about your um, about your reputation in this business is that you have to be known for doing a good job, doing a complete job, you know. Mm-hmm. It and if if you turn around and say, "But she didn't," or "He didn't," mm. that's not going to look good in your evaluation. Right. So you you sometimes just have to do it. But when I see that that's the going thing, 
then I'm like, hey, it was great, but no, nah, I don't think I can do next year. Mm. I, I think evaluating the, you know, the whole event and having some sort of um, personal evaluation for you, right? Because that kind of leads me to the all money is not good money statement um, in that every event is not for every event planner or production person. Like there's certain things that you have to know about yourself, your niche, your skill set, your temperament, your way that you move, your integrity, all of those things to match up with something. You know, you know, there's an event planner for all the events. Um, I'm not just I may not be that one. You know what I mean? Exactly. It may not be for me. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> you, know? you know, we had this experience uh, where uh, we uh, were part of something where the folks who were in charge may not have really selected an activity that they were really skilled enough to, where their skill level matched the requirements. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that really, besides whatever critique I had of that, it also made me check in GIA and NKSK and check for making sure that we are matching or elevating, you know, our skills so that we can do something well and not being, you know, I I think I know at least a hundred event planners uh, personally, and maybe I know several hundreds of event planners (laughs) just by association. Mm -hmm. And all of them are working. All of us are working. Yeah. So there's plenty of things out here, you know, plenty of activities uh, for us. We don't have to take on what we're not good at or what we don't like. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty for everybody. But it sometimes takes a moment, you know, just like, for instance, when someone comes and says, and Gia, can you do this little thing? They, people are it's a little thing. That's the scary <laughs> word right away. Because, you know, there's very few. No such things. thing. Yeah. Stop it. it. But <laughs> can you do this little thing? And uh, but we really don't have a budget. And then I got to stop because at this stage of the game, that's mm. not really what I'm going to take on. Yeah. Unless it's personal to me, unless it's really part of my commitment to my community or family. Mm-hmm. I, I just tell them, no, but if I can think of someone to refer them to, I do. Absolutely. Because it's OK for other people to be employed. And it's really OK for me to have a standard either of fee or uh type of job or mm-hmm. length of job or any of that, whatever those standards are, they should match. I should not, when, and this is life. This yes. is a life lesson. Don't, don't move in desperation. Mm-hmm. It almost mm-hmm. always causes you to choose incorrectly. Can I get a little something? <laughs> don't move in desperation. No, don't. When people say there's only two choices, that mm-hmm. always makes me go. Probably eh, mm-hmm. there's at least one more, if not twenty. Don't <laughs> don't be pressed into. Don't you know? Just it's taking me time. It's mm-hmm. taking experience for me to calm down my response to somebody else's uh, pressure or somebody else's deadline or somebody else's bullshit issue, a critical issue, yeah, and definitely. That right there. <laughs> all that, all that. I can say that on here. <laughs> uh, and so that reminds me of like, you know, one of my principles in, in my life is just, you know, you know, my peace is not for sale. Like peace is everything for me. And if it's going to disturb my peace, if I'm going to be unsettled in my shanana, my spirit, who I am as a person, I, you know, all money's not good money. I will recommend someone for you though. 
Like, I think that this person over here, these other hundreds that you might know, they'll be great. And I'm quick to do a referral. I'm like, hey, Angia, uh, <laughs> they need something there. Maybe you can find somebody that can help them kind of thing. I'm quick to do that. You're absolutely right. There's enough out here for everybody. There's no need for competition in that regard. Only a way for it to help, to help. And I think, you know, you said it when you said you're at a stage in your life now where, you know, you've done the work, you've, you've considered all the things, you know, and it's pretty automatic. I think, you know, when I talk to a client and I know there's some okie in the dokey, like I, the, the, that thing with, you know, the little slick thing and your actions and your, and your, your, your nonverbals don't match what's coming out of your lips. Mm -hmm. I can read that instantly and I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I yes. think I have somebody for you. <laughs> You know, that's, I just told my grandson, uh, who is 11, mm -hmm. and he, I asked him a question and he ran something past me real quick. And I said, bro, I just need you to understand that I've been there and back before you even showed up. So you can't <laughs> run that fast to get past me. I've been there and back Go before down, you showed up. And let's just talk, talk facts. We're going to tell each other the truth. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about like your most difficult event that you've ever done. Um, what pops up when I say difficult, challenging, uh, whether it was successful, non-successful, it was challenging. What pops up in your head? Well, I don't want to name the event, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, tell you the elements in it that okay. contributed to that, uh, to that conclusion. Okay. And that is that this will happen. I'm the type of person that can be hired to pull the cables or I can mm -hmm. be hired to direct the whole piece. Mm -hmm. So I hire at all, all levels of doing. And uh, I, I'm fine when I'm, when I'm asked to be the leader, I lead. And when I'm part of the team, I play part of the team. Okay. And even as a leader, I, I play part of the team. But any hootie rooty, the point being here, that the most difficult part for me is to sit and watch someone not set themselves up to win and not not uh, not fulfill the needs of the of the production, mm. and they they don't listen. Mm. And because I'm not in charge of the situation, I can't force them to do what's correct, and I have to weigh whether or not I'm going to go past them. To tell someone who is above them that things need to be different. Because oftentimes when I'm around, people assume I'm trying to run everything because mm -hmm. I run a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so I really work to hold my position and stay in what would be considered my place. Mm. However, I'm also, like I said, I'm committed to the success of the uh, endeavor. Absolutely. And when I see things are not moving towards success, I have to weigh what's happening. And in this one situation, at a certain point, I just had to break. And mm. I went to the next level person instead of going to the top level, because I knew those top level people, but I went to the next level person. And I said, you guys are heading towards a collision because mm. there are a whole bunch of things that are not here, that are not in place, and it's going to cause a problem. And then they listened to me. They went to the top level person. 
Mm-hmm. And that person came to me and said, and Gia, why didn't you say something earlier? I said, because you didn't hire me. They hired me. You hired them. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I can't, I, it's a, it's one of these things out here. So yeah, that was really difficult. Um, Cause I, so, I, I was going to step in real quick because I, I think this is what we're talking about when it comes to like temperament and, and personalities and the way you move and all of that sort of stuff, because I think it had it been somebody else in your position, regardless of what they were hired to do, I think the outcome would have been different for you. Yeah. 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 We're just going to say that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I commend you for handling, you know, the situation. So, so elegantly, um, you know, when that type of stuff happens, how do you then, you know, still make a successful event when you have, you know, these things happening? Like, and that's you, what you... I'm telling you about holding that ego and, mm-hmm. you know, my, when my pride might be bruised or I mm-hmm. may feel the hint of insult mm-hmm. for me not to uh, allow that to calcify my mm-hmm. heart and for me to still have personal integrity around the event. And because, see, what happens is this. You have a major event. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands of people are coming. Mm-hmm. Somebody hurt my feelings. And because of that, I'm going to sabotage something within the event. Mm-hmm. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Because those tens of thousands of people don't deserve that. Right. And like I said, though, it feeds into my evaluation, personal evaluation of what I just engaged in and whether or not I think I should do that again, or is there something about how I operated in that situation that I might need to adjust? Mm. But uh, yeah, that, you know, sometimes it takes a lot, but again, I don't have a whole lot of worst experiences, but I certainly have had at least one. (laughs) Well, let's talk about your favorite events or events like your most successful they could be really small like the ones mm-hmm. you like really like that this right here this is like i really enjoy doing this or putting this together Do you, what pops in your head well immediately i have to say i love the african world festival mm-hmm. i absolutely love that event it fits my whole uh cultural commitment it fits my artistic interests in a lot of ways and, and because I work in so many other communities, especially better funded communities, uh, communities that have more capital support and, and more support within the uh, political or economic community here in Detroit, uh, I really want to make sure that I bring my best to the African World Festival mm-hmm. and, and really lend myself, my resources, uh, even to invest sometimes in elements of that festival in order to make sure that we're proud of what we uh, are able to to, uh, produce and provide to the community. I'll tell you something that was my most favorite thing and (laughs) recently, because we're just getting back into it. The season's just opening for us. Mm -hmm. And that was yesterday. We had what we call the Performers Expo. Mm -hmm. And it's a showcase opportunity for Southeast Michigan artists of uh, performing artists of all genres to come, it's free to participate. The it's a beautiful theater and a stage with all the professional backline and lighting, and really a grand opportunity. And this year, we were able to record each show, showcase and provide mm-hmm. each artist a free uh, copy oh, nice. of their showcase. Should have been doing that all along, huh? Yeah, man. So 
the thing, uh, you know, it's always that dollar you have to get there. <laughs> but the point being that it was watching these young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were so there were a number, or at least half of the performers yesterday were uh, thirty and younger, mm. and it was magnificent. I really enjoyed just seeing them. You know the the excitement and the fact that it kind of legitimized yeah. all their effort and dreams and mm-hmm. putting them in spaces where there were a number of professional artists that they could make close up and personal contact with. And mm-hmm. it was just really great. And it felt so good. And I got so many hugs yesterday from these <laughs> young people who were really excited with what they had uh, enjoyed. So, you know, like I said, it's the fulfillment and satisfaction of seeing something really come together. It's interesting because, I, you know, when I was in artist management, I definitely brought my groups to the Performing Expo. That was a gazillion years ago, and they're still doing that, which is fan-freaking-tastic. And you're absolutely right. It's a moment where you're, you know, you're looking for festival gigs and all the different things, and you get to meet these artists you've already seen on the festival gigs, and you kind of like, you know, it's it's a pretty exciting uh, uh, time when a, when a band or an artist gets to perform at the, at the Performers Expo. But I want to go back a little bit to the African World Festival because it is a monster. Mm-hmm. And I just want uh, people to understand, you just kind of like skated over the fact it's the African World, it's the African World Festival um, here in the city of Detroit. Um, tens and thousands and thousands of people that come to this event, multiple stages, a gazillion vendors, activities, uh, pop-ups, the number of, of of cables that have to be drawn, the 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 number of speakers that have to be put on. There's just it's it is number of artists that you have to work with. Um, it is a monster, and I say monster in the in the best possible light. Uh, you are working in concrete jungle, which is a what is what I call Heart Plaza. It is a concrete multi level park downtown city of Detroit on the water, and it is brutal to your body. And so talk a little bit about a couple of the things that people don't know about how the things that happen um, before they are able to enjoy the African World Festival. Yeah, you know, that's this is one of those events that I really don't recognize how large it is because mm-hmm. I break it up in segments in order to fulfill, you know, the whole deal. I have to break it down and have the various departments and things. And then on site, someone else who just joined our team this year, or this is their first time being part of the production team, they'll walk up to me and go, oh my gosh, now I see what you meant. And that's when I go, oh yeah, this one here. Because festivals are that. Festivals are multi-layered, multi-tiered activities. You have everything going on. Besides the stage and production on the stages, you have admission and ticketing now that we're dealing with. And and Mm. in today's world, there's a lot of security and uh, sanitation uh, concerns and focuses. Mm -hmm. And you have, uh, you got to, let's see, I'm looking at all the departments, you know, they're the folks who have to, do we have all our tents? We had Mm. a situation where we, (laughs) all the tents were not ordered. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden you're there setting up and you don't have all the infrastructure. So, you know, just tents, tables, tents, chairs, tables, chairs, chairs yeah. signs, mm-hmm. uh, food vendors and the requirements of the health department, right. and the, the permitting department mm-hmm. and the 
buildings and safety and the police department and the city special events office and and then infilling with enough persons who you can help orient to how big and important this is. This is our museum. This is the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, which was mm -hmm. the largest uh, museum of its kind in the world for 50 some years until they opened the Smithsonian, which is mm -hmm. the next largest. And then now we have some in Africa that are open. Right, international. That are even mm -hmm. uh, more large. But the point being that this museum is important not just to the Detroit community, but to our African world community. Mm -hmm. And we want this event to reflect the museum. We want it to reflect its mission and its status. And how, so do you, how do you then, in all your workers and the artists and the people, you know, kind of convey that message? Like, do you take time to make sure they, they at least hear it from you on how important and how worldly, you know, how, you know, what kind of attention this is going to draw? I make every effort. I, I make every effort, even in the first outreach to a booking agent. I use words in my email that I hope convey the largesse of this event mm -hmm. and the uh, cultural meaning behind this event and its importance. And now that we're in our 40th year, right? almost without saying it, people come back to me and go, whoa, 40? Wow. Because that shows the staying power and the fact that there's a lot of commitment that has gone into sustaining this event for that long. So out of those 40, how many have you been, have you done and been in, been involved in? Well, obviously I started, you know, as a child because I'm 27 <laughs> now. Right, right. <laughs> and I've actually, I believe this will be my 13th or 14th time as director. And mm. before that I used to, uh, I used to uh, manage the beverages, which was the uh, festival's main revenue source for the museum. Mm -hmm. And then before that, I did volunteers. And before that, I was the main stage announcer. And I started as a volunteer with that and then was engaged to do that. So I've been working with this festival for quite some time, mm -hmm. quite some time. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, that's super impressive. I don't think I realized it's been 40 years of this festival that when I was younger, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I was a child, when I was younger, that was a big part of my life as well. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, you know, the statistics still say that event planning, event production, uh, your curation, event planning as a whole is still on the top 10 list of the most stressful jobs <laughs> in the whole world. <laughs> Luckily, I never read that, so I didn't know. I think right now it might be number five, but it hasn't moved off of that list mm. where air traffic controller is, police officer. Like it hasn't moved off of that list mm. for 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 a lot of years. It's been on that list as far as I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then it becomes like, what do you do for self-care? Like, how do you take care of yourself in between all of these amazing, interesting days that you have full of, you know, managing all the changing things? What do you do? Well, you know, I will say this. I have found that I love production. I absolutely love production. And mm -hmm. so that love of it and my naivete <laughs> my natural <laughs> naivete uh, saves me from some of the, you know, the the uh, difficulties of the uh, event production. But the other part is this. I make an effort 
to speak directly as politely and easily as possible any of the things I have as response to what goes on. Okay. So for instance, when the tents weren't there, mm-hmm. I was like, look, this is a major problem, mm-hmm. but we have to solve it because we have an event going forward. But you have to recognize this was a major slip up mm-hmm. because I needed you to make slip sure. up. You've been saying anything else. You said slip up. I'm We're on the air. <laughs> I had to make certain that the person understood where we were at, but I also could not crush them on the setup day. We had three, four more days to go and we needed to solve this because we already had thousands of people heading our direction that next day. So for me, one of the things is just don't own the stress, don't own the tension. But the other part I will tell you is this. I, when events are over, I make sure I have a day to a week, depending yeah. on my schedule, to just take it down. I also get massages regularly. Mm. I usually <laughs> do at least once a month during my season of doings. Mm. And I absolutely love the beach. That is my getaway. And mm. I have several local within an hour or so of Detroit spaces that I go to to put my feet in that water and sit down quietly and be by myself Mm. and let it, let it come out. And last but not least, I love music. I love the rhythm, but when these events are over, I ain't really trying to hear much except a little John Coltrane. (laughs) (laughs) To ease myself. Rhythmed out. (laughs) I need a break. I need a break. So, so you talked about um, speaking direct and, um, you know, being the person that looks at solutions, win-wins, and, you know, keeping kind of in the moment, de- decompressing that stress. Um, I ask this question because it's really interesting to me. Who do people think you are as opposed to who you really are? That's funny. That's funny. That's <laughs> funny to ask me, but I will say this. There, one thing I have noticed is that people think I am so totally organized <laughs> and I never feel that I'm as organized as I could or should be. Very seldom do I feel mm-hmm. that I'm as or because I re- someone said, and Gia, you're a perfectionist. I was like, oh, no, not me. And then when I went to look at my little charts and directions <laughs> I was giving people, I realized I, I strive towards perfection in organizing and producing. Mm-hmm. So people see me as super organized and I think I, I'm organized enough to get through. The other thing is I tend to have a casual persona. Like I, you won't see me in pumps and a business suit very often, if ever. I'm trying to remember when that happened. So <laughs> people misread my my desire to be comfortable and to not create, even in my appearance, a lot of distance between myself and the rest of the team or the folks I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they think that means I'm not about that business. Mm. And that's something that they have to find out that I haven't stayed in this and succeeded at it this long without taking care of the business. And so if you're going to be part of what we're doing, absolutely, we are expecting you to be business-like in your approach and professional in your work. Mm-hmm. But I just don't need to have that. Uh, I don't need the trappings of uh, formality but I absolutely, absolutely need things to run well and ha- and happen well. Yeah, that's so interesting. People discount that, you know. They they judge you by 
your casual look that yeah. you're not about that business until that, they, that until they have their first conversation with you. They have to know that that is not the case, that they've misjudged. Yeah, yeah I hope so. I, I And I tell people, you know, one of the things I do is I try to keep from the waist up, you know, uh, some <laughs> order about how I look and how I present. Uh, order. Yeah, I'm going to get my hair done this week. So I, <laughs> I tried to have a nice, simple wrap that uh, doesn't scare people. But uh, because most of the time we're either on Zoom or we're at a desk or a table where people are basically looking at, you know, the bust of you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but So you in some shorts and flip flops? Is that what you're saying? Not that won't tell. <laughs> Look, you'll never know. And that's the point, you know, is to really present well enough and to speak articulately enough mm -hmm. to convince people that you are, the, you know, that you do have the sauce yeah. to make this thing happen. I drip but, sauce. Yeah, but otherwise, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to take on the trappings. I, I, I really am. Uh, I really did grow up thinking that we were going to absolutely turn the world over and create this utopian idea of a liberated space that all people could uh, experience their human kindness in. Oh, and sounds lovely. Yeah, and yeah, I believed it. I was totally, I, I was totally convinced that I was uh, part of that. And as that has not fully manifested, I still want to um, reflect that mm -hmm. that uh, mentality and that heart. So I take care of business, but I I do it with heart. I love that. I love that. Let's talk briefly about j just the. Uh the business of doing events. You've owned your company for quite some time. Um, <clears throat> I get the impression nowadays <coughs> that social media has made it kind of trendy to uh, do events and, or to own a company. Mm -hmm. What do you say to those people who read an Instagram post or, you know, and now they think they're in business? Um, what do you say to those that, uh, <coughs> <coughs> What kind of advice can you give to those just starting out that they need to make sure they have in order to be in business? So uh, I would I would tell <laughs> folks, who, um, folks who are just getting started, I would say to them, listen, you are presenting yourself as a business to clients with whom you're going to sign contracts or proposals. You're going to make some type of formal agreement. And so uh, when you're doing that, you then have to have the basics in order. So one of the first things you want to do is you want to create some type of legal entity, mm -hmm. uh, an LLC or a corporation or a company in your name. However it is that you want to determine to establish that business, you should do that. After you've done that, then, of course, you get a EIN number from the uh IRS from the Treasury Department, so that you have is basically like your business's social security number. Mm -hmm, so that, mm -hmm. that with those two things, you can then go to the bank and establish a bank account. And most, what what about my Instagram photos? Um, you know, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go back a business name and determine the entity that you, you mean have. i don't have to like you know i need a photo shoot i get my makeup done yeah. like and that's this is this is why it's funny i tell people all the time i am grateful that i'm part of the crew because the crew has to at least look like they're sane 
The cast can be any type of diva crazy they want to be because, you know, they get to show up with all the thing thing. <laughs> so you determine which one you're going to be. Mm. Are you going to actually be a business owner who then shows up and convinces people that you are capable of handling the business that you are mm. taking on? Or are you going to be this flamboyant one who has mm. all the, you know, bells and, and whistles? giggles a lot, looks cute, and handles no business. Mm. You won't last very long, and even your family and friends will drop you Uh-oh. Uh, if you're not getting done what you said you were going to do. So, yeah, God bless all of the social media. And it's like I, I have a degree in film, and it was crazy when I got back to Detroit, and it was all these people inviting me to their video um, premieres. Mm-hmm. I had to stop going. Because these folks had just picked up a camera. They were shooting things with the mic still attached to the camera. So it's all the noise in the room while somebody's trying to talk. And they didn't know to turn on a light. And they didn't think to really reread the script to make sure that the story made some kind of sense and that the lines, you know, were deliverable by the non-acting people they hired. Mm. So I had to stop going because they would say, Mama and Gia, did you love it? And I don't lie. <laughs> and so I had to stop going because I didn't want to crush somebody at their premiere. So long story short, do what you do. Just know that you can either take the time to go to business school, or you can take the time to do the research, or you can live by uh, learn by doing. Mm-hmm. And you'll either grow from your errors or you'll sink from your errors. And I hope that even if you step out there the first time and do everything ass backwards that you will learn from that experience and come back at it stronger and smarter and keep going. Because I didn't know everything. Trust me. I didn't know. I didn't even know how to charge people. People got away with, you know, paying me a hundred dollars when it should have been a thousand. I didn't know. And I learned by doing. Mm, You can do that too, or you can be smarter than me and get the info before you get, you know, put the cart before the horse. I love that. I think that's a great way of ending our segment. Um, I always ask kind of what can you leave, you know, our listeners with? And I think that learned, learned by doing, you know, a lot of us do that, right? <clears throat> and nowadays you have access to so much information on Google and all these different platforms. Um, one of the reasons why I started this podcast and I think Kyrie asked me, why did you do it? And I'm like, why not? You know, it's, 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 you know, I don't know everything about doing a podcast. That's why I got, you know, Kyrie and, and a couple of people here to help me, but I'm going to learn by doing. We're just going to go ahead and do it and see what happens. You know what I mean? I, we've got enough, you know, to kind of move forward. But I think with all of the stuff that you shared, the integrity and the intention and making sure that, you know, I show up and, and be present and that, I, that you know, we do good work. You know, at the end of the day, we want to do good work. And so I really, really appreciate you being here and sharing all of your amazing gems. I can't wait to, like, walk through the footage and, like, get the gems and so we can drop those, those that knowledge on some people you know we might have to have you come back because there's so much more that you know you have <clears throat> that i want to share with the team with the family here that watches all things behind the scenes thank you ngf for being here really appreciate you hey thank you nina i've watched you for years and when we got to be friends and sister friends and then for you to call me a mentor i really appreciate that because i appreciate how you move in taking care of business. So thank you very mm. much for inviting me. Mm. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of All Things Behind the Scenes podcast. 
where we discuss all things events and entrepreneurship. If you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and hit the notification bell to be notified of each new episode. You can also follow us on all things BTS podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We welcome all comments and suggestions. So let us know what you think. We love hearing from you. So until next time, remember that the only thing that you can guarantee about an event and life is that it will change. Be blessed.